I love poetry. I would go so far as to say that the reading and writing of poetry for me is a spiritual practice. And good poetry is, well, I don't think it's something that you need a manual or a class to learn how to write it. Those certainly help. And when you can absorb the wisdom of wise teachers and great poets, it can be such a wonderful thing. But for me, it all comes down to noticing. The poems and poets I love the most offer vulnerability, earthy wisdom, raw emotion, but all with simple noticing, of taking account of life. Now, I wish we had all day. Uh, I'd love to tell you about all of my favorite poets and hear about yours. And just to name a few, early Mary Oliver, American primitive is radiant. Charles Wright, ethereal and deep. T.S. Eliot, Galway Cannell, uh, Rosemary Tonks, Rebecca Elson, Richard Wright, Leonard Cohen, uh, Pablo Neruda, Antonio Machado, Ada Limon, Frank X. Walker, uh, Lee Bai, Donica Kelly, Robert Bly, Carolyn Forche, Kevin Koval, Jericho Brown, uh, Thomas Transtromer. I, I could keep listing them all day, and they come from all walks of life. Poetry is one of those great loves for me. And if you ever think you don't like it because you don't understand it, then you're in the perfect place to start enjoying poetry. It's not about understanding. It's about noticing. Now, some of you will have your own ideas about what is at the heart of poetry, and that is wonderful. That's perfectly wonderful. In its simplicity, poetry calls to everyone in a different way. Today, I want to turn our attention to Asia for a moment, uh, it being the Lunar New Year and the Year of the Ox. And for us today, right here, an invitation to notice. You no doubt know what a haiku is. Traditionally, it's a Japanese form of poetry with 17 phonemes. Uh, and translated into English, it often looks like uh, three lines of text uh, broken into a 575 pattern of syllables. Now, in Japanese, it's often just one line uh, altogether. And two of the defining features of traditional haiku are, uh, first up is the kigo, uh, which is typically a reference to a season, and then the kireji, or the cutting word. Now, that's the phrase or words that cut through your thoughts. Like Japanese Zen master shouting at a student uh, that is mid-sentence to foster awakening. A haiku can be about cracking open the mind to the present moment. Now, I love haiku. I would say it is at once difficult and accessible to everyone. And for us as a people in the West that often worship the written word, the simplicity of haiku demands, uh, what it demands is, is good medicine. It demands distillation. It demands focus, uh, cutting out fluff and exposition. Could you imagine if my sermons were a single haiku every single Sunday? I don't know about you, but I'd rather write 2,500 words. Uh, <laughs> that seems much easier. Our culture, and yes, Unitarian Universalists are a part of this, loves the written word. It's not always a terrible thing unless the written word becomes an idol, a golden calf. Um, or a means of controlling, subjugating, or inhibiting others. And it has. It really has. This Japanese poetic art is a gift to the world. It's a reminder that the simplest expression of being here and now in this one life is often enough. 
having worked with seminarians as part of a larger denominational formation network, I can tell you that even people called the public speaking, they often fear not saying enough, of not covering every single base, every possible objection to a sermon, and every single nuance of a topic. And so great is the fear in Western culture of not being exhaustive with words, it's just heart-wrenching. And I catch myself doing that, anticipating objections and counterpoints. Now, it's probably time to let go of that and just speak the truth plainly for myself and invite you all to arrive as you will. Haiku really is about noticing, simply noticing. And today I want this to be both a meditation and invitation. A meditation on several lives that have approached the art of haiku in different ways but also an invitation for you to take notice. Simply take notice and write it down. Limit your words. <laughs> Cut through the fog of exposition, counterpoints, and covering all bases. Distill the noticing into uh, you meeting a single moment. You don't have to have an answer right now, don't worry, I'll remind you soon. But here's a few simple glimpses some noticing of various haiku writers' lives throughout history. Santoka Taneda was born in 1882 to a rather well-to-do family. They, they were landowners, which was a big deal uh, at that time. However, <laughs> his life was steeped in tragedy. At age 11, his mother took her own life, and no one ever found out why. When he entered university at age 20, he began to uh, drink heavily uh, to the point of dropping out of school. Um, but that would have had to happen anyway, because his father, in his grief, uh, was nearly bankrupt and couldn't afford to pay Santoka's tuition. Santoka and his father uh, made the hard decision to sell off their valuable ancestral family land and start a sake brewery. But given both Santoka and his father were alcoholics, you can really see where the story's going. Fast forward several years, and the brewery closed. Santoka's father disappeared and uh, was nearly, barely heard from ever again. And so Santoka found himself with a wife and a son. He started writing haiku and attending local poetry uh, uh, circles, and he, he was getting well known in them. Um, and he was being accepted by Okiwara Seisensue, one of the leading minds behind the freeform haiku movement. Now, in Freeform haiku, the 17-syllable requirement and the seasonal reference were optional. What remained was a simpler haiku, often distilled just into the kireji, uh, the cutting words. As freeform haiku was so closely linked with the Zen movement at the time, these haiku, liberated from tradition, were often about seeing with absolute clarity into one's true nature about landing oneself resolutely in the here and the now. So, Santoka joined a Zen community amidst his continued struggles with alcoholism. And the structure of uh, being a Zen monk, it helped his life immensely. It helped him regain focus, and it helped limit his drinking. He was ordained as a Soto priest soon after, in his early 40s. Um, but he just couldn't stay away from the sake. He once declared, Sake for flesh, haiku for soul. Sake is the haiku of the flesh, haiku is the sake for the soul. 
Now, did you hear that Lexington is getting a sake brewery? Anyway, Santoka was aware of his flaws. He knew uh, that his flaws were a means to cope with the tragedies of his life. And so he left the monastery. He had already lost his family. He lost nearly everything. And he was used to just leaving behind things. And he took only a wide-brimmed straw hat, straw sandals, his robe, a staff, and a bowl for begging. And he wandered. He was a mendicant monk for the remainder of his life. His freeform haiku are simple. They take notice. They accept joy and sorrow as it is. They celebrate the opportunity to live life even amidst struggle. He would publish roughly seven small collections of poetry, all freeform haiku documenting his life of wandering. Now, Hosai Ozaki was born a few years after Santoka Taneda, and his life almost mirrors Taneda's. He wrote haiku early on, he graduated from university, uh, he even got a successful job at an insurance company at the time, and then his life fell apart. The love of his life turned out to be a maternal relative, and the engagement fell apart. And it was at this point uh, that he started drinking heavily, ultimately losing his job. Now, eventually, another insurance company gave him a chance, and for a brief period of his life, he was probably a high-functioning alcoholic. Some even suspect that he might have given up alcohol successfully for a time. He fell in love again, and he married, and soon enough, he returned to drinking. He spent all of his money on sake and other alcohol to the point of having uh, nothing else to wear to work except a hand-me-down tuxedo and pajamas, which earned him scorn. But eventually, despite continued success in that job, uh, even with wearing pajamas, he had an awakening moment and left his job. He left his wife and started wandering in and out of temples many of which at the time had no specific religious tradition. They were open to all, likely rooted in Shinto in some way or shape or form. He became a sexton for one such temple in Kyoto. Um, but he was, he was asked to leave after he came home drunk one evening and spent the rest of the evening uh, insulting the head priest of the temple. He eventually settled for uh, a time by the coast and being near the coast seemed to calm his nerves and inhibit some of his drinking. And ultimately, due to his connections with Ogiwara Seisensue, the same man who mentored Santoka Taneda, um, he moved to the island of uh, Shodoshima. And there, he was again tasked with being a caretaker, but also became a rector of a small temple on the island. And he would be seen fixing things around the island, uh, but mostly he was seen avoiding the tourists and avoiding the residents. Having no connection to his previous life, he spent most of his days writing over 4,000 haiku in his final years. Now, he died from a lung infection, refusing to leave the island for treatment at age 41. And so there's only one collection of his 4,000 haiku uh, that was ever published, and there's a limited run of it that was translated into English. Like Taneda, his freeform haiku deal with the essential facts of life. They take notice. It's like the famous quote from Henry David Thoreau. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life. But the real beauty here is in lifting up the versatility of this practice. 
If five, seven, five works, that's great. If 17 syllables in one line is your style, that's wonderful. If distilling it down to being fully present in a snapshot of a moment, that's wonderful. So inspired was beat author Jack Kerouac by the freedom of haiku that he called the American version and interpretation of freeform haiku Dharma Pops. Free of any strict form similar to freeform haiku, but brief, so brief as Taneda and Ozaki had done in their time. Um, but so far in our exploration, there's one group that we've not heard from here. I hate to be the bringer of bad news, but patriarchy just doesn't know when to quit. A lot of you know that quite well in your own lives. There are few collections of haiku from women poets, at least in English. I hear that the collection is slowly growing in Japanese. There are voices of women lost to time in haiku and voices that are still waiting to be discovered from the past and in this moment as well. Den Sutejo was born around the same time as Basho in the mid-17th century. She was born to a very wealthy family, well-educated samurai family. She married and had six children, and uh, uh, she treated poetry as if it was a hobby. Well, it could only be a hobby if she even had the time. She was in charge of tending to a very large samurai family. But after her husband's death, she returned to poetry and became a Buddhist nun. She left behind the Pure Land sect of her family and instead uh, turned to Zen practice uh, and study, specifically with uh, Zen master Bankai. And so she would spend the rest of her life uh, living in a monastery, writing haiku. And upon her death, her remaining family, friends, and the other Zen nuns and monks were completely startled to learn that she was a poet. She kept it secret from almost everyone in her life. Fearing her poetry was never any good. Her poetry was more traditional. It's interesting to note that women haiku poets often found ways to innovate tradition while sticking to tradition. It's sort of a weird paradox, but it sounds like a familiar story when you have to operate within strict cultural expectations. Uh, in this case, as a woman, what often happens is changing the structure from within it. Slowly but surely, and, and uh, Dan Sutejo did this, uh, she helped pave the way for countless women, some known, some unknown, in the haiku world, leading all the way up to the present day, in this moment, uh, with another such haiku poet, as Mayuzumi Madoka. Mayuzumi Madoka uh, speaks of haiku as gathering treasures in life. She describes the imagery as more of a clearly printed um, uh, image, postcard, on her heart than the image would ever be on an actual postcard. And she represents a blending of tradition and the more freeform verse of the rebel monk and nun poets. Gone are the seasonal tropes, but instead there's a look toward the seasons of a woman's life. And so she will ask questions or observe things such as, what is it like to be a mother, a daughter, a woman in her midlife? Those are seasons too. And her initial thoughts on haiku are worth remembering. What images are painted on your heart? All this leads to a so what question. Why lift up these Japanese authors? 
Sure. I, I had a brief mention of Jack Kerouac taking uh, freeform haiku and simplifying it further for the English language, the Dharma pops that he would write about and teach about and uh, post collection, uh, publish collections of. That is available to us. But the lives already mentioned show us some common themes. There is great tragedy, inner demons, struggling to be heard. Uh, even for uh, Jack Kerouac, a figure in a movement, uh, here you find a figure in a movement searching for meaning. All of these lift up the power of noticing the here and the now, of taking a moment to let go of distractions, to turn off the news, to put down the papers and the cell phone and the gadgets, to stop needing to comment on every single thing in life, to take the earbuds out of our ears, to put the screens away. And I get the irony of saying that to you while you are watching this. But to find time in our lives to sit with everything and then to notice, to wander the vast landscapes of our inner joy, sorrow, demons, triumphs, to wander our fears and worries, to wander and wonder and notice the images on our hearts. Such noticing is not just for beauty, though beauty needs no justification. Art needs no justification. And this is art, art with words. Something that can often be forgotten. Words are art too. No, taking notice, words to paper, images on our heart is a practice of resilience, adaptation, and hope. Richard Wright, the African-American author of Native Son and Black Boy, among uh, dozens of other works of fiction and nonfiction and essays about race in America, a little known fact about his life is that he spent the remaining years of his career in life writing over 800 haiku. His haiku show us that taking notice of life as it is, there is no separation from the oppression that we are experiencing or confronting, from injustice and putting our values into action. It's right there in that last legacy of his life. Not every haiku makes it completely explicit, but it need not be. Noticing and treasuring the moments before us are justification enough for the work of justice, to bring about equity, to bring about beloved community, to bring about hope. And there it is, an image imprinted on one man's heart that is worth noticing. The invitation for all of us is to notice. Go ahead and grab a pen, grab some paper, scrap paper, whatever, a pencil, and take notice. Keep it simple. Keep it to the traditional form, 17 syllables, 575, or go freeform like Taneda or Kerouac, or root it in a love for this world and your life like Richard Wright. Take notice of the seasons of your life like Madoka. The hope here is that you'll have the courage to share these, whatever it is you write. Some of you know we've been asking for art that you're willing to share with this community. We really are an artistic community, and that should be nurtured and lifted up. Look to any great justice movement or any great religious movement, and there it is. Art abounds. And so we'll take some of the images you've shared. and the words that you are about to share, and we're going to put them together. A haiku book for UUCL. And so go ahead and take a look at the following images. You'll see them in just a few moments. 
let one speak to you, or maybe you'll notice your dog or your cat or the ice outside or the snow just so, the sun or clouds, a frozen branch, a season of life. Take notice. Keep noticing. Blessed be. Amen.